0: Good afternoon. It's good to see you today. Appreciate another opportunity to be together. I apologize. I think my microphone was not on this morning, and some had trouble hearing. So I hope that uh, we've solved that dilemma. Uh, uh, appreciate our visitors. We thank you and welcome you, and glad that you're among us. I invite everyone to get a Bible as we've just read together with Mike from the fifth Psalm. We'll come back to it uh, uh, momentarily as we. Uh, as we have entitled our lesson, uh, You Who Love the Lord Hate Evil. could be that you're not a Christian this evening. If that's the case, we we want to, at the very beginning, encourage you to think very seriously about not being saved from your sins, about being lost. If that's the real uh the real reality, that is the reality of your life without Jesus Christ. That our salvation is found in Him and by loving Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength of following His will in our lives as we become Christians and then do His will day by day. You can see that David, this man of God before Christ came, the King of Israel, who himself uh, came before God and lifted up his voice uh, in the morning to God and committed himself to, uh, to a life of uh, reverent worship and service unto God, uh, to righteousness, and trusting that God would enable him, embolden, empower him against his enemies uh, as he would seek the Lord. We encourage that of every one of us, And if you're not a Christian, we encourage it of you that you become a Christian tonight. If you'll confess your faith that Jesus is the Son of God and repent of your sins. If you'll be baptized into Christ, He will save you. You'll wash your past sins away and you can live as a Christian from this day forward. And We hope that will be your your, uh, intent, your decision, and also as Christians that it will equally be our intent and decision to walk in truth and if there's sin in our lives to repent of it. That we might stand right in God's sight and in fellowship with Him. Because as noted in our Psalm, and we'll come back to it in our reading in chapter five, it says that the Lord does not dwell with evil. He shall not our evil shall not dwell with him. We cannot we cannot commit evil and expect to be living with the Lord. Now, to begin our thinking on that respect, and, and especially this idea of hating evil, let's Think about this word, hate. That's a really strong word. I know, the word hate uh, carries with it a lot of destruction. uh, A lot of times when it is used uh, in uh, Proverbs 10 and verse 12, hate stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. So, uh, hate is a a powerful uh, catalyst for uh, many evil things uh, in the world and in the church, in, in the home. Uh, in our society, uh, around the globe, hate uh, is embedded within the hearts of many. And uh, should it be embedded within our hearts, then we must extract it uh, using God's Word. We must let God's Word cut it out. And we must choose to do that ourselves. We must allow that to occur and choose not to be people driven by the destructive attitude and motives and actions of hate. That said, we need to also realize that the Bible uses the word in several ways. As just noted, it uses it of malicious animosity. Uh, In Titus 3 and verse 3, Paul said, uh, we ourselves were once hateful and hating one another. Uh, That that hate uh, is is not an uncommon uh, trait in conduct. He said... uh, uh, we ourselves were once, among other things, hateful and hating one another. Uh, so such malicious hostility is sin. And very often the Bible speaks of, of clearly of hatred in that respect, that, that of the sinful hostility, animosity, uh, and that, that uh, generates strife and bitterness and all sorts of uh, attending sins. Another time at other times we find the word hate used to refer to relative preference a preference a relative preference in Luke's Luke 14:26 uh, Luke Jesus said uh, if anyone comes after me anyone chooses to follow me and and and, and does not hate his father and mother wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now we understand the idea of hate here is not malicious animosity. He's not telling us we have to have hostility toward our parents and hostility toward our children and hostility toward our own life to follow Him. He's talking about loving these less, loving Him more. So a relative preference; we prefer him, we prioritize him above everything else. So to love less, in that sense. So the word hate is 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 used in that context in that application. Thirdly, and the one we're going to focus on mostly tonight is this repugnance toward evil. This to detest or to set oneself against that which is sin. Before God. In Hebrews 1 and verse 9, there's a passage quoting from uh, the Psalms. It's, Psalm, uh, it's quoting Psalm 45, and it's referred to the Son. It refers to the Son of God. It says, To the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. So, the Son of God is said to hate iniquity, hate lawlessness, hate sin. So here's three different ways the word hates you. In the destructive, malicious hostility, which is sinful. As a relative preference of loving less, If you, we've got to love others less so as to hate them more the love. Jesus, put Him first, prioritize Him, and then to hate iniquity, to hate evil. Now, immediately our question is, how do you harmonize all that? That's what we want to study tonight, is this, this multi-sided, multifaceted nature of the word hate and how that bears upon choices we make, our attitudes and our conduct. Uh, toward God, toward each other, toward the world, and our practice day by day of how we live. God hates sin. God hates sin. That as we said, Hebrews 1 is a quote from Proverbs forty I'm sorry, Psalm 45, 6 and 7. Uh, but here's a couple of others, and we'll look at some more in a moment. God hates divorce. Malachi 2 in verse 16. It says the verse says, God hates divorce. Now, I know the world loves divorce. The world accommodates divorce. Uh, Well, God hates it because it, it puts asunder what He joined together. So, God hates divorce. And He talked about that in the context of the Israelites who were putting their wives away and marrying other women. for No good reason. And He rebuked them severely for that sin. In Revelation 2, and therefore we cannot simply think that we can put away our mates for no good reason. We can sunder what God joins together and have God's approval. God says don't do that. Matthew 19, verse 6. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. We cannot rationalize that and make that anything other than sinning against the thing God said not to do. He hates divorce. Revelation two and verse six says, "But this you have said. Uh, but this you say that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate." So Jesus hated the works or deeds of the Nicolaitans. These these uh, compromisers, these uh, people in error. He said, "You you hate them at the church in Ephesus, and I hate." them. So, so here's Jesus doing some hating. Is that sin? Is he maliciously antagonistic and hostile? Is he in some way sinning when he says that? Well, of course not. He has a repugnance and abhorrence. He detests their error, and therefore, should we not also detest error? You see, the fact is, God wants us to hate sin. You and I are supposed to hate sin. Now, we're to have a repugnance towards sin, an abhorrence of sin. We are to set ourselves against it. Not to receive it, not to accommodate it, not to, to coddle it, not to cajole it, not to to to, to 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 help it feel good in its sin. Psalm 97 and verse, uh, verse 10 says, You who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the souls of His saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. So He directly, in this psalm, the Holy Spirit said, hate evil. Just as God hates evil, we're supposed to hate evil. Just as God hates those sins, that wickedness, that immorality, and that iniquity. Psalm 101, verses 3 and 4. 101st Psalm. 3 and 4 says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Now look at the verse. It tells us what it means to hate the work of those who fall away. It means that I I will not cling to those works. I will not hold on to those things that they have held on to and fallen away in their sin. I will not have a perverse heart. He said, I will not know, I will not hold wickedness in my heart. So to hate sin, or I'm sorry, to love sin would be to hold sin in our heart. To hate sin would be not to hold it in our heart, not to cling to it, and not to cling to its works. In Psalm 119... And several verses in that psalm. We just have a couple. I'll show you a couple more. Psalm 119, psalm verse 104, says, therefore, or Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Somebody say, oh, I'm not going to hate anybody. Well, you need to give up that false humility because God hates some things and we've got to hate every false way. The psalmist said, I get understanding about that through your precepts. God wants you to to detest, to abhor to set yourself against false ways. And in a in a society that is all about what suits me religiously or spiritually God says in His Word, it's His precepts that grant us the understanding that we need so that we can hold fast to truth, to His way, and hate, detest the false way, not cling to it. Go again to verse 113. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Again, now the psalmist says that I'm going to detest... That which is duplicitous, the double-minded, the lack of of such integrity. He says, "I, I hate that. I detest that. That's not going to define who I am, he says. Up on down to verse 128. Through all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right, or therefore all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right, I hate every false way." God's precepts are right and I hate every false way. So we 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 choose the right way, God's way, and we refuse reject the false way. Again look at at uh, verse 163. I hate, I abhor lying, but I love your law. I detest, I abhor lying. He says Honesty uh, is what I is what I cherish because I love your law and God's law identifies lying as sin. So, so God is urging you and me to be like Him, to develop and imitate His character towards sin. Reject the worthless, sinful things. Don't hold them in our heart. Don't accept those works. As, as something we cling to, but hold God's law in esteem in high regard in contrast to the false way which we're to hate. Now, if I hate the false way, then I'm going to do more than simply say, well, that's just not the way I would choose. I'm going to choose this way. But you go ahead and do what you think is right. Can you, can you envision the psalmist saying that to his neighbor who's on the false way? Who's, who's headed for hell? Well, I know you're sincere. So, so, so you find what, what works for you. No, that's entirely not the way God views sin, nor the way we must view sin. But, you see, but by the way, when we start talking about sin, then we've committed ourselves to a standard, haven't we? A right and wrong, a truth and error. And clearly, God, in His law, in His precepts, has established that standard. And He says, when you reject that standard, I will, I will not dwell with you. And we're not to dwell with that either. So, so, in what sense does God hate sinners? Well, there's some verses that says God hate, hates sinners. Let's go to Psalm 5. Well, in Psalm 5, let's go back and look at verses 4 and 6, 4 through 6. Now, does this mean God has a hostile animosity? That God has some kind of sinful attitude toward the sinner? Well, obviously not. So what does it mean? How does that look? What does that look like that God hates sinners? We know he hates sin, but let's read some verses here. It says This verse says, You are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Now, Here's the worker of iniquity. God hates iniquity, but this verse says you hate all workers of iniquity. How can that be when God loves the world? How does He hate the worker of iniquity? Well, the verse explains how. It means He takes no pleasure in their wickedness. Verse 4. It means their evil will not dwell in His presence. He detests a relationship with them because they of practicing sin. It's not that he he has a hostility, an animosity, and a malicious attitude toward the sinner, but that he does not abide with them. He cannot abide with them in sin. Now that's that's what the verse says. You don't take pleasure in wickedness. They don't stand in your sight. You hate those who work iniquity. That's the application. That's the explanation. Now, go on a little further. Chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. How is it God hates the sinner? Well, he puts the sinner under wrath. In Psalm 11, 4 through 6, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. The wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates, detests, abhors. It's an abomination to God that one would would be violent toward his fellow man. And so, upon the wicked he pours out his judgment. Verse 6. He pours he puts them under his wrath. That's how that's that's the sense in which God detests the sinner for the sin they're committing. Again in Proverbs 6. It's clear here that God abhors and sees as an abomination the sin and the practitioner of the sin. Proverbs 619 or 616 beginning. These six things the Lord hates, that is, detests, abhors. Not malicious hostility, but he abhors these things. These things are repugnant to him. Seven are an abomination to him. There's your definition. Hate, abomination. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans. See, not just the wicked plan does he hate, but the heart that devises it. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among brethren. God detests these things. These are abominations to Him. Chapter 3 and 32. This is how He hates the sinner. The perverse person is an abomination to the Lord. But His secret counsel or His friendship is with the upright. So... God befriends the righteous, but He, in the perverse or an abomination, detestable, the word hate is applied. Not malicious animosity. But He sets Himself against such. He does not befriend. He does not take them into His bosom because, you see, they are evil, practicing evil, and that will not abide His presence. So, how does it look that God, in all of this, while he detests the sinner and the sins they commit, he loves his enemies? He loves his enemies. Now, we need to remember Colossians 1:21, 1 Colossians 21 1:21 says that, that in sin we are God's enemies. Colossians 1, just to set that before us Colossians, the first chapter in the 21st verse. That's where we were. He said, "You who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, see, our sin makes us God's enemy, detestable to Him, and yet God loves His enemies. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So, so here is the harmony: God detests sin, and He will not befriend the sinner." He is The sin has so separated him from that sinner that they're under wrath because of that practice. But God is doing everything He can to try to save that sinner. He's loving that sinner, that enemy. In Ezekiel 18 and 32, it says, God said, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So, let us not begin to think that that somehow or another God is saying because I detest the sinner and his sin that that I am happy to see them burn in hell. No, sir. Not in the least. Far, far from it. That That is the working of a mind that's not given to truth, not given to God, but wanting to rationalize sin. No, verse says, I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord. Therefore, turn and live. God offers us life. He loves His enemies. But He cannot abide and will not abide sin. Now, you see, all that now is applied to you and me. Now, we must hate sinners. Not with hostile animosity. Not with malicious intent but that we do not settle in with them in their sin. Go back to Psalms 26, verses 4 and 5, and see the point made. 26, 4 and 5. I have, David wrote, "...I have not sat with idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked." Now, he used the word hate inspired by the Holy Spirit. Was that a sin? No. What, kind, what does he mean by hate here? He means I'm not going to share with the idolater in his idolatry. I'm not going to sit down and go in with the hypocrite. I'm not going to participate with the wicked. That's how you apply that. That's how, what it means. I'm, I detest the sinner in his sin. Psalm 34 and verse 14 Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Uh, the, uh, that's, that's what we must do. Depart from evil and do good. Look, what does it mean to hate the sinner? It means we don't put our faith and our trust in the faithless. Psalm 31 and verse 6. Psalm 31 6 says, I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. The idolater is trusting in something that's utterly useless utterly powerless so so David says I hate those who regard the the useless idol I trust God so if I put my faith in the in those who are faithless and I trust their guidance and their counsel and and, and they're going to tell me the best way to be and to, and to live then then I'm not hating sin like I should. I'm not hating the sinner as I ought, should I? He said, I hate those who regard useless idols. Well, I said, I detest that. I abhor that. I'm not going to be a part of that. David said, we ought to be grieved as he was grieved. We're taught, learned, that we should be grieved with perfect hatred over sin that we find. Psalm 139, 21, and 22 Far from it being some some position of self-righteous arrogance, it is a place of utter grief when we talk about detesting evil. The verse says, Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate You? And do I not loathe those who rise up against You? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them My enemies. Yet we we find no... Victory dance by David when he says that uh, there is there is grief in his heart to see people set themselves to be enemies of God, but he says i can't, i can't join in with them i I, I have to I loathe the same those same things that you loathe because they 've made your themselves your enemies now that brings us really to the to the, the crucial point of our life you see he expects us to love our enemies you heard it said love your neighbor and hate your enemy but jesus said love your enemies and bless those who curse you you see here's god setting the illustration the example for us to follow is uh, though he hate detests sin he hates and detests sin And those who work it, because they've alienated themselves and they are His enemies. Yet He refuses to have a malicious attitude in His heart toward them. Now that's our challenge of faith, is that we do not have animosity in our heart, bitterness, resentfulness, sinful sinful attitudes of hatred in our heart toward those who sin and sin against us. Now that's the challenge. Because the devil easily tempts us to cross that line of detesting sin and that worker of sin, detest and abhor it and not receive it, into actually holding animosity and hostility toward them. And when we do that, we become sinners. Don't we? That's when we become sinners. Now no. Here's the, here's the harmony. The Word of God says there's a time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean there's, a, there's some proper time to have a malicious animosity, a sinful work of the flesh in our heart? Because hatred is a work of the flesh, Galatians 5 and verse 20 says. That's that number one, right? Malicious animosity. <laughs> that's, that's the work of the flesh. That's the sin. He's not saying there's, there's an appropriate time to sin. We've seen that there's an appropriate time, however, to set ourselves against evil. Ephesians the sixth chapter, verses ten through thirteen. Ephesians six ten through thirteen says, Stand fast in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. There is a time to hate, to be have repugnance, have detest, to, to hold uh, as detestable. Those things that are against God, His love, His truth, His precepts, His will. We've got to be strong in the Lord and fight against the powers of sin, the powers of darkness. We've got to fight the good fight of faith. We're not going to fight that fight if we don't abhor sin, if we don't hold it as detestable in our heart. You see, the Gospel says, Abhor that which is evil, cling to that which is good. Romans 12, verse 9. So the time to hate is the time to refuse the counsel and the influence of the sinner. Abhor what is evil. You know what will help us do that? Fearing God. Fearing God will help us in this matter. Because fearing God will keep us from a sinful attitude in our heart, and it will also prompt us to have the right attitude of abhorrence for the sin and the sinner in his sin. In Proverbs eight, twelve and thirteen. And and, and notably, and I want us to see that there that God, in hating sin, is actively involved in trying to save the sinner. More on that in a second. Listen, Proverbs eight. Proverbs 8, 12, and 13. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. Here's wisdom speaking. He says, I, I, I dwell with prudence. So here's what wisdom says. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. I detest, I abhor. I set myself against. These things, these things that are evil. Arrogance and pride and perversity from the mouth. So I understand there's a time to do that, but you see, we must be careful not to be hateful. As I mentioned it a minute ago. You see, we cannot be hateful toward the sinner as we hate the way God hates. We cannot have sinful animosity, the work of the flesh, hateful and hating one another. Jesus said, the world hated Him, the world will hate you when you follow Me. John 15, 19, He told that to His apostles. And then 1 John 3, 13, He said, do not marvel that the world hates you. So so the world detests you. (laughs) The world doesn't want the light of truth will have malicious animosity. But we're not to have malicious animosity. We're simply to abhor sin the way God does while still at the same time loving the world and having active goodwill towards sinners. That's that's really our, our call to faith. It takes faith to do that. Now, let me point some things out to you. Not just those in the world, but even a brother. He says, when we hate a brother, we're in darkness. First John 2, 9. He who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. When we develop an animosity, a hostility that is sinful, then obviously... We're not loving as God loves. That's that's not the kind of hate He's talking about that we should have. The one who hates his brother is a murderer, He said. And you know, no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. To so what to whatever degree God has a hate for what's evil and those who are practicing evil, it's not this kind of hate. God's not a murderer. It's a different kind of hate. You see, it's a it's an it's detesting the evil. And yet, all the while detesting the evil, he sent his son to die. He made the greatest of sacrifices to save the very ones who are detestable and cannot he cannot take in that way. He cannot receive them to himself as they are. He has to send his son to die. And that's you and me. He did that for us. He couldn't take us as we were. He had to give his son to die for us, a sacrifice for our sins, so he could take us to himself. Because he loves us, but he abhors the sin. First John 4, 19 and 20 says, if we hate that that when we hate a brother, we're a liar. He that says I love God and hates his brother is a liar. If we hold malicious hostility and animosity and bitterness and resentment at those elements of the work of the flesh within our soul toward a brother, we say, I love God, but I can't stand that Christian Chris, you over know, there. I'm a liar. I don't love God lying to myself, I'm lying to everyone around me. Be careful not to be hateful in a sinful way. You see, hating sin is not our license to be hateful toward the sinner. I don't know how else to say it except that. Hating sin is not our license to be deprecating and dismissive and hateful in the way we speak, in the way we think, the way we conduct ourselves toward the sinner. When we do that, we sin. And we've got to be careful not to do that. We've got to be careful not to do that. Christians are taught to do good to those those who hate them. That's what God does. God does good. Physically and spiritually, He did good. (laughs) He sends his, his son. His son, people in the world are benefiting from the sun right now out here. We prayed about the beautiful Northwest. Thankful to God for it. God sends his son in the rain on the evil and the good, his enemies and his people. So that's what we've got to do. We've got to, you see, we've got to love the evildoer even when his evil is against us. Whatever you would that men do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is this is God's will for us. Is that we become complete in our love as God is perfect, so we're to be perfect in this way. And here's how to do it, you see. He te- Jesus tells us how to do it, and that is to be active in, in, in showing goodwill. While we hate the sin... We, despite, we abhor the the sinner who's sinning and such an enemy to God. And yet, look at this text. Jesus teaches us how to, how to treat them and how to conduct them. He says, bless them when they curse you. Do good to them when they hate you. Pray for them when they spitefully use you and persecute you. When they take advantage of you and hurt you. He says, you... You bless them, you do them good, you pray for them. Here's some other things to do. We turn the other cheek. Genuine love turns the other cheek. That means it's not retaliatory, it's not vengeance seeking. You see it? They had twisted the law of God that said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, into into an act of vengeance. But I tell you, don't resist the evil person. Now, some have taken that and, and misunderstood and think, well, I'm just, anytime somebody does evil, I don't, I don't even have a right to protect myself. No, that's not his context. That's not, not what he's describing. He's describing don't be the person who seeks personal vengeance, don't have a, a vengeful heart, a hateful heart. Do good and sacrifice and accept the wrong without doing the wrong in return. Go the extra mile and so on. You see, genuine love is active in forgiving. On the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's something we can do. We can have a forgiving heart, a forgiving attitude like Jesus did on the cross toward everyone, including those who, who sin against us because clearly that's... His attitude toward us when we sin against Him. He, still, he wants us to be forgiven. He wants us to come to God. So we pray for them, verse 44 said. Pray for those who spitefully use you. And try to rescue them while hating the sin. You see, that's what God did. God hates the sin. He, he hates the workers of iniquity, the Scripture says. But He tried to, tries to save us. He sent his son. He's done everything possible to snatch us out of the fire, and so we're to do the same. Jude twenty-three. Not develop hostility and hatred, but repay evil for good. We're warned not to take vengeance against evil in Romans twelve. Look at that verse with me as we bring these things to to a summary in Romans the twelfth chapter, verses seventeen through twenty-one. The Word of God says in verse 17, Repay no one evil for evil. So, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. So, so if we're going to avoid vengeance and hostility toward the evildoer, then, then our goal is to maintain our honor and our integrity. Have regard for good things. Even when evil comes our way from others. You keep your honor. You keep your integrity. You don't repay the evil with an evil response, with a hate filled reaction. He says in verse 18 pursue peace. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. God hates sin, He hates the workers of sin, but He sought peace. He sought peace between Himself and enemies. Well, we're to pursue peace as much as within us when people do evil against us. That's our challenge. You see, give place to God and to His justice. Verse 19. Don't avenge yourself, but give place to wrath. As is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It's an action of faith on our part to leave justice in the hands of God and let Him repay the evil done because He urges us instead to heap fires of shame upon the evil. Undoubtedly, to try to prompt repentance in the sinner. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. By so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. You know, First Peter 2.12 says, I beseech you, as sojourners abstain from fleshly lusts at war against the soul, that, that those who count you as evildoers may, because of the good works they see, Glorify your Father who is in heaven so that your enemies may see the good in you and turn to God. You know, we sustain our influence for trying to bring people to repentance by being careful not to develop hatred in our heart and in our minds and our words and our actions for those who are in sin. We're to overcome evil with good. And this is our test of faith—to, on the one hand, hate sin because God hates sin, and understand that that means sinners don't abide have an abiding place in Him and with Him, and so we we, we don't have an abiding place with sinners. There's nothing in common because the sin that separates the sinner from God. We reverence God by hating sin and by refusing the counsel and fellowship of sinners. We must overcome evil with good and avoid developing ill feelings and animosity in our heart to those who harmed us, sinned against us, continue in their sin. Because you see, that would then draw us into the very thing that we claim a rejection of. We've got to trust God God. Trust ourselves to God as we, as we seek to develop His attitude and actions toward those things that are, are sin in His sight. Let's close with Psalm 34, verses 19-22. through 22. 34th Psalm 19, beginning says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. When the sinner afflicts you, the Lord will deliver you. He guards all His bones. Not one of them is broken. This is referred to Jesus in John 19.36. The application was made. Not a single bone was broken. Crucifixion was not a, a, a way of, uh, of killing people by breaking bones. They broke the bones of the, the men next to Him because it hastened death. Jesus was already dead. None of His bones were broken. Well, this is referred to there. You see, the verse gives confidence that the Lord is going to give deliverance. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of His servants, and none of those who trust in Him shall be condemned. Evil turns upon evil. But those who hate righteousness and the righteous ones will come to condemnation. So let's don't be those who hate what is good. And instead, let us with complete righteous hatred detest sin. Detest evil. Abhor it. Turn away from it. Don't give a place to it or to those who practice it, but instead love our enemies with the gospel truth, try to save their souls and protect ourselves by trusting God with reverence in heart and word and deed. Protect ourselves against developing the sin of hatred within our hearts that would condemn us. If you're not a Christian tonight, we urge you, as we said at the beginning of our lesson, to become one. We hope that tonight you will in faith repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. A correct sin is a child of God through repentant prayer, God will forgive. We put our trust and confidence in Him that it is so. If we can help you do that, won't you respond to God's call while we stand and sing?